place. He's wanting us to kind of set our compass, our faith towards these things. And one of the words that the Lord gave me here just a couple of weeks ago in a conversation I was having um, with my daughter was the word miraculous reclamation. And uh, I'll preach on this next week, but what God is, what God is saying and which I think we've got one thing we're going to need to set our faith for is, is that the miraculous restoration through reclamation, that we, are not, that we are remembering that there are things that need to be restored in our lives that have been taken from us. And uh, there have been things that have been taken and that we can believe God. You know, Job, when his life ended, he, was, he had twice as much as he had in the beginning. And so there are things that through your life where maybe people have stolen from you or just through some bad decisions, you stole from yourself. But no matter what that is, I believe that God is saying to us, look, if you'll reclaim, if you'll reclaim my promise with whatever you lost, I'm bringing miraculous restoration. How many of you would like to hear that message? So we'll get into that next week and uh, next Sunday morning. And uh, I know these aren't Christmas sermons. Is that all right, though? I'm not, you know, I try to do the Christmas sermon thing once in a while. But uh, yeah, you got enough Christmas around you. You need life-giving truth. Amen. And uh, so that's what I want to I wanna be able to do. So basic training in miracles. And, and so I want you to look at Luke 5 if you have that passage. And we're going to get into this and dig around. You'll maybe see some things you, you've seen before and some things maybe you haven't seen before. But basic training is awesome because basic, what I always look at at basic training, I know you guys that have gone through the military, your basic training. I know that when I did two-a-days in football, uh, which were real two-a-days back in the day, you know, when you, they just wore you out physically, and uh, they're not allowed to do what they did to us back then. Um, when we did two-a-days in college basketball, I mean, they, they were tough. They were our basic, they were our basic training. But the, the emphasis of basic training is really to break you down to the basics, to get you, you know, to break you down so they can build you up with the right stuff. And, uh, you know, in basic training, they don't care what you know. They, they want you to forget what you know and learn what they know. And so <laughs> they do everything they can to try to make that happen. Well, I think that's true with the miraculous, too. I think there's just some basic things that God teaches in us from his word that will really help us in understanding how that we can live the miraculous life, which I believe that this coming year, according to Exodus 34.10, that it says that God is going to do wonders. There are going to be marvels that are going to be happening in our life. That's what I want. I'm believing God for that in a supernatural way. Look, we had almost 30 people come to Christ so far this year, but I'm believing for more than that next year. Amen. I mean, we've seen, we baptized 18 people this year, but I'm believing for that to double next year. Amen. I mean, look, these are things that I think we have to realize that even though, you know, in, in that attitude we can get as Christians is like, well, if that's what the Lord wants, then that's what he'll do. Well, he's looking for partners. He's looking for partners, people that will partner with him in believing for the miraculous. And so I believe there are tremendous miraculous. I got a call um, from someone, uh, or I ran into them the other day, and they were thanking me for praying for them. And their son was, was deeply, deeply involved in homosexuality. I mean, 
it looked like he would never come out. He was living with another man. They had this thing going on for a long time. He lived out of state. And we were praying. The mom was praying. We were praying. And uh, she was talking to him on the telephone uh, one day. And some of you might know what happened. But something like 18 different demons came out of him. And he is totally delivered totally delivered from what he was bound up with. And he is now actually, and I think he's in a relationship with a woman. And so, I mean, it's, but it, but it didn't look like any, have you ever had that? Like, it doesn't look like anything's working. It doesn't look like anything's happening. And then bam, miraculous overnight, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. I like suddenlies. I like those kinds of suddenlies. So, um, you know, we, we, we were praying, a lot of other people, she was just so grateful. She says, thank you for praying. Of course, when people tell me that, I think, I know I did pray, but I feel a little guilty that I didn't pray as much as you think I prayed, right? Anybody, anybody else like that? I mean, I did pray. I did believe God with them, but, um, you know, I didn't pray like every, in, deep intercession over the situation. But in Luke, he, we see this, I, this presentation of uh, Jesus who's talking to these religious leaders. And I want you to look at Luke chapter um, 5 with me, and we'll look at verse 17. So it came to pass on a certain day as Jesus was teaching. So if you underline in your Bible, I want you to make sure that you're underlining the word teaching there, if you would, um, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now I want you to look at the context here uh, as we dig into this, that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who's the them there? The Pharisees and the doctors of the law. Okay, the most knowledgeable people that would have been in Israel at the time, except for the, you know, the high, the, the high priest and the other priests, the other Levites. But these would have been some really sharp people. These Pharisees and doctors of the law, they're sitting there, they're hearing the word and the power of the Lord is present to heal them, to heal them. Now, nothing is happening. Nothing is taking place at this point. Nobody's being healed. Nobody's being delivered. Obviously, there must have been sick people among them because there wouldn't, God wouldn't, God's a great steward. He is not just going to throw his power around aimlessly. There would have been people there that needed a miracle. And so as they're sitting there, nothing's happening, even though the word is being preached and the power of the Lord is present to heal them. And behold... Men brought in a, bed, in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by that what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and they let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, Thy sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, when he perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What, why, what reason in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon the earth to forgive sins, 
He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your couch and go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up that whereon he lay, and he departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed, okay? And still, even with all of that happening, nobody's healed in the room except the guy that was dropped down by his friends. Now, as we study the word and as we look at this, this great example of the miraculous happening, there are some basic things that I think we can really glean from this. Number one is that miracles follow the word. Miracles follow the word. It's the word that, that miracles. If you look at Jesus' ministry, in fact, if you looked at this in Mark 2, 2, and I think we have this up on the screen, yes. Immediately, it says, this is the same, par same story, Immediately many gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. So when he's up talking to them, he is preaching the word. Now people wonder, well, what was he telling them? Well, he would tell them the good news, right? He, that's what Jesus talked about. He, he would tell them what he, Luke 4 says. God sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I have to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are captive. I mean, that's how he talked about his ministry and what he was there to do. And so he would have preached the word. Signs and wonders, miracles, always follow the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word. So if the word is, and, and a lot, now listen, sometimes it isn't even, you know, we think, well, I heard the word and no miracles were happening. Well, was it the word? Was it what God said? Was it really what God said? Because I, I think sometimes stuff that's being preached isn't what God said at all. I've sat in services and heard people say stuff. You know, they start talking about Job and how that God makes us suffer like Job so we could be more spiritual. And look, that's not preaching the word. The word is the good news. I said the word is the good news. Miracles follow the word. Mark 16, 20. We have that up on the screen. They went out. The disciples went out and preached everywhere. They didn't go out laying hands on everybody. They went out preaching the word, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Because the word of God is the authority of, that you and I operate in our lives. And so it is through that word, what God has said, that gives us the authority to operate in the miraculous. So when we, when we look at what the word says, when the word is being spoken, then we lay hands on the sick. Then we anoint with oil. Then deliverance is happening. Then the miracles take place. But it is through the preaching of the word that miracles come. Matthew 4, 23... In fact, stay there at Mark 16, 20. It's interesting as you look at this because as you, um, as you look at this verse, it says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. If you look at the, if you look at the way that this is, and it's probably this way in your Bible as well, is, is that the word them is italicized, right? In your Bible, most, most of our Bibles. And if you take... Them means that the Greek, when they were, um, when they were translating the Greek, they said this, this is what we thought this implied. But I want you to think about this for a minute as you look at this verse. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word. 
the Lord working with and confirming the word through the accompanying sign. Now, obviously, we needed them, but understand that the part they played was just to speak the word. The confirming of the word was all God. Sometimes I, I think we got to be careful with this. We feel like somehow we're confirming the word. We are not confirming the word. God confirms the word. God's told me on many occasions when I was praying for people, especially for the sick, he said, just remember here that I'm the healer, not you. So just keep them focused on me, not on you. So I try to draw as little attention to myself when I'm praying for the sick because, because I want people to realize it's Jesus. You know, uh, Kath, or, um, Amos, Amy Simple McPherson, who had so many miraculous healings, she, she taught people in her meetings that, look, when I lay my hands on you, because that's how she prayed for people, she says, I don't want you to think about those are my hands. I want you to think about those are Jesus's hands touching you. However, you have to get yourself into that place. Realize that it's his hands that bring the healing, not my hands. I'm just putting my hand upon you. So they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word. Matthew 4.23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he's teaching and preaching and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And I love that. He healed every sickness, every disease. How did that happen? Because the word is confirmed by God with signs following. The miraculous follows the word. So in our lives, when we talk about basic training for miracles, the first thing we want to always recognize is we need what the word says because it is the word that gives us our authority to stand. The word is the revelation of God's will. All right? The word is the revelation of God's will. Now, there is a specific will that you will need to seek God about at times in your life. Direction, different directions you might need to go, that you're seek asking God about specific situations and what you should do. That's a different thing. You still use the basis of the word for that, where James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But you're seeking God, you're, you're not clear as to what it is God wants you to do, but you're basing what you're asking on the word. Our prayers are based off the word. That's why 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, I don't have that up here on the screen, says that this is the confidence that we have. Word confidence here in the Greek is the word boldness. This is how we can be so outspoken about what we believe because he says this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us, and if we know he hears us, then we know we have the petition that we have desired of him, okay? So how do we have the, the word boldness means to be outspoken. Uh, it means to have confidence. So how do we know that we have confidence? Because we know what we've asked, he's already said, he's already declared to us. But there are things that you're dealing with right now in your life you do not have confidence in, even though you know what the scripture says about that situation. But you're still trying to sort out 
what, what should I do, okay? And so, you know, what direction? Should I, you know, like I've got a job, but there's opportunities out there for a better job. Should I change jobs? Well, I don't think you just do it because there's better opportunities. You do it because that's where, the, where God leads you by the Holy Spirit. I've had all kinds, in 30 years, almost 30, I've had other opportunities. Are you kidding me? But the thing is, is that this is where God wanted me to be. This, this is where my blessing is. Amen. Now, did, it, did I always get everything I wanted? No, but this is where my blessing is. So if I don't have it now, I'll get it later, but it's coming because this is where my blessing is. Are you all here? So you don't just keep flipping jobs just because there's better. You, as a believer, you pray. You don't just take medication because a doctor told you to take medication. You pray and talk to the Lord about what you're taking and what you're doing. You don't just have jump in and have surgery. You pray about, is this really something that I should? Because I believe you want to go into that with absolute confidence. Can I get a better amen? We should live our life. You don't just marry the first person that comes along. Right? You don't just jump in and go, well, they're kind of good looking and they don't have bad breath, so I guess they're all right. Well, they might be a psycho. You don't know what they're really, you, you look, and just because somebody's being nice on a few dates, you still need to listen to the Lord. Does God want you married? Sure, he wants you married, but he don't want you married to anyone. That's good preaching, pastor, thank you. Now look, it, it, we, we need the word. There are specific situations, though, where we're seeking God, where we want God's divine direction about how to deal with circumstances that are going on. So, you know, when we were in, the, I was thinking back about this the other day because we're, we're talking about doing some renovating in here and in the sanctuary. And, and uh, I remember when I was in here praying, we were stuck. Our church was stuck. We weren't growing. We were, yeah, it just seemed like, you know, we're, we wanted to give altar calls, but we didn't really have any guests. And I was like really asking God, you know, what do I, what, what do I, what are we doing wrong? What do we need to do? What's the direction you want us to go? And uh, our sanctuary used to like the stage was over here and and went long ways. The sound booth was back here in the back, and and uh, and I mean that worked, except that you'd have kids come walking out, you know, from out here. And you didn't know how they'd come out. Some of them had come out with their diapers pulled off or whatever. And <laughs> it happens, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that happens with kids. So uh, I'm not mentioning names of any of the kids, but, um, but uh, we had it happen. So I was out here praying and fasting, and I spent about three days in the sanctuary just talking to the Lord and asking for direction. And I had it, an, an idea, and God said, I want you to turn the sanctuary. And I thought, well, turning the sanctuary isn't going to grow the church. He says, no, but I want you to turn the sanctuary. I want you to turn it. So I, you know, my number one partner guy that helps me do that stuff is Chuck. So I got Chuck in here and I said, Chuck, I want to talk to you about this idea. Well, you know, Chuck's, Chuck's like me. He's just like, let's do it. Let's do it, man. That's awesome. I love that idea. And we have no plan. We have, you know, we're just, let's just do it. And so 
Then we developed a plan. We actually had a drawing made up and some ideas that were done, and, and uh, we were, but we really felt like that's what we needed to do because we had this like tunnel effect going on in here and it brought everybody closer. It brought everybody, it did something to the church. It really did. And uh, we started growing. It's, one Sunday we came in and it was this way. And after church, we said, stick around, we'll buy pizzas and we'll gut the sanctuary. And they gutted it in one day. It was amazing. The pads were all taken down. They were all gone, so that story was now no good, you know. <laughs> Everything changed. Everything went, and then we started rebuilding, and that took a lot longer than we thought it would, but it took a long time. But, but uh, every week we'd come in and reset up the chairs and, you know, and do some work in the sanctuary, and, and then it was done. And, uh, but, you know, it's one of those, and then the church grew, and it hasn't stopped growing since. And I, you, you say, well, explain why. I, I don't, all I know is, look, when God tells us to do something, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. There's a lot of incredible ideas you can have, but you want to seek the Lord about what, you know, what, what God wants to do. So we need to make sure in the understanding the miraculous that it is the miracles follow the word. So in our lives, like, I don't have to pray about healing. Because I already know that God has said in his word that he sent his word to heal me and deliver me from all my destruction. I don't have to ask God if he wants to heal someone else. You know, I don't pray for people and say, well, Lord, if it's your will to heal them. Look, when we go in, we want confidence. We, we declare over them, it's God's will for you to get up off of that bed. Can I get a better amen? It's God's will for you to live and not die, all right? Now, whatever they're struggling with, we hope that gives them confidence to get up off of that bed. We can't do it for them. Listen, the, the, let me just, this is really, this will really help you. We can fight with people, but we cannot fight for people. Okay? We can stand with them. We can be right there and hold their hands up. We can declare the word to them. We can breathe life into them. But we cannot fight their battle for them. The battle of faith has to be won in their own heart. Are you all here? Does that make sense? So, you know, it's one of those things I think sometimes we get confused. Like, well, I'm going to fight this battle for them because they can't fight it. Well, look, you can do that all you want, but you cannot override the will of an individual. You cannot do that. So number two, basic training. Grace is the nature of, the mirror, of a miracle. Grace is the nature of a miracle, always. Grace is the nature of a miracle. We have to get this into our spirit, and I mean it deep, so that it just like, when we're pressed, this comes out of us. And this is a tough one. And that is this, that we are worthy to receive because of him, his choice, not ours. Grace is God's free gift to us. It's not by anything we do. We just have to receive what he has done. Notice in Mark 4, 2, 5, we have that verse up there. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. You know, to me, this is, you could miss this, but this is such a powerful thing for us. 
Why did he call him son? Son is a, is a family term. Family, it's a, a familial thing that you would say to someone that you are close to, that you're in a relationship. He doesn't know this guy, but he looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Look at these other passages. I love this. Uh, this is in Matthew 9, 22. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Mark 5, 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Luke 8, 48. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Who do you call your daughter? You call your daughter your daughter, right? It's a familial term. It's a, it's a term of what we would call a term of endearment, right? It's a, it's a relational term. We call our sons sons because we're in... Now, I have guys here that I call son because I'm in a relationship with them. I call Stevie my son. He's a son in the faith. He's one that, you know, I talk, when I talk to Stephen, I'll call him son at times. I don't call everybody that, because not everybody's like, but I'm in a familial term relationship with them. Why did Jesus use that kind of terminology when he spoke to these people? Because what he's saying to them is, is that, look, I choose you. I choose you. I have already decided you're in the family. I've already made that, that choice. We talk about this over and over. You're never going to get God to do something he hasn't decided already to do. He calls him son. Jesus. You imagine everybody in the room. Well, he's, you're, he's not your son. That's not your daughter. But yet he speaks to them in those terms because it's a family. See, that's that whole idea of that we come to God from a position of love, not to get love. And if we don't get that square, and this, is the, this can be, in my opinion, the most difficult challenge to your miracle because of the battle with your carnal man, the carnal nature of your life. This could be the most difficult because we still, no matter how many years we've been a believer, how much of the word we've studied, there's still this gnawing thought that I have to earn God's approval to get what I need, to get what I need. It's, it's there. And let me tell you where it comes from. Sin, which you are redeemed from. It's the carnal nature. In Romans chapter 8, it says this. I think this is so amazing, 6 and 7. This is out of the Passion Translation. For the mindset of the flesh, the carnal man, is death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to His direction because it cannot. Your carnal, natural self will resist what it is God wants to do. Even if you read it in your Bible, there is still a resistance the, a, a kind of like a, a sneak out here to try, you know, the devil is subtle the way that this works. You know, it's, it's like, a, some of you might have saw this post I put up uh, on Facebook, that, you know, when, when Satan came to Adam and Eve to tempt them, he didn't tempt them and say, let me be the Lord of your life. He never said that to them. 
He never said, I want to, I want to destroy, I want to be in, I want to be your master. Let me be your master and I'll take care of everything. Now he did that with Jesus, but he did not do that with them. What did he say to them? You become the center of your universe. You don't need God. See, he's subtle in the way that he works, the, the, the enemy, because what he tries to do is to move us off of what God has said to ourselves. And when he moves us to ourselves, he becomes our master. Is that too deep for 8.30 in the morning? Oh, I mean, it's, 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 but, but look, you study it out. I encourage you, you study that out. That's why the Bible tells you in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves. You could just write, under, write above that. They'll be, the, the devil will be their master. Because once you are taking control of your life and saying, I'm in charge, I make my own decisions, I do the, what I want to do, I'm, that's all a trap that, you know, it's a trap that leads to the enemy having control of your life. And where did Adam and Eve end up? They ended up trapped in their own sin. That's that carnal nature that you've been delivered from, okay? But it's always wanting to, it's not, look, that carnal nature isn't trying to not make you want stuff. It, it wants you to want stuff, right? But it wants you to think you have to earn stuff. I haven't met a person that came up for healing that didn't say, I don't want healing. I just came up here, you know, I don't really want, they want it. They want to live. They don't want to die. But what, what we have to do is convince them that in the word, that look, God already decided for your healing. So you don't have to plead and beg and try to convince him to try to heal you here. He has already sent his word to heal you and to deliver you. Man, this is good preaching. He's already sent his word to heal you and deliver you from destruction. But what do they struggle with at the altar? Well, I sure hope God will heal me. I've heard people say that, even here. Well, I sure hope, so. I, are you going to be healed? Well, I hope that will happen. Well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. And I'm not, look, I'm not trying to pick at anybody. I'm just telling you this is how the natural mind thinks because the natural mind is separated from God and it doesn't know any other way to get to God than by its own works and efforts. And what Jesus came to do is to say, your works and efforts are useless. Let me do the work and make the way for you. Hallelujah. And when we make that decision in our lives, that miracles come, the, the, the root of a miracle is grace, grace, grace to you and I, undeserved. But it's God saying, look, it's yours. Just receive what I've done for you. You don't have to work up the anointing. Work up the power. You don't have to work any of that up. You just have to receive what it is, what, he, what it is that he, he said. We had a girl in our church in uh, Marietta. Her family came from a certain denomination that when you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you would shake, gyrate, fall on the floor, go into a total ecstatic speaking in tongues, and I mean, just out of control. And that, so she came up to the altar to get prayed for, to get the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, and we told her, we said, here's what the Word says. So we took her through some verses, and we said, now we're going to lay hands on you just like they did here in the book of Acts. And when we do, you're going to feel the presence of the Lord in your life. And when you feel that presence, 
the Spirit is going to give you words. They might come up from inside or you, you just might feel something happening in your mouth. And just go ahead and just start speaking that out. And even though it sounds ridiculous, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and, and start speaking that out. So we pray for her. She lifts her hands up and she, she starts just like that, man. She's speaking in tongues. So I'm talking to her dad after the service. And, uh, and I said, well, praise God, your daughter got baptized in the Holy Spirit, was speaking in tongues. He says, well, I didn't see that. Why? Because in his own mind, he was convinced the only way that's going to happen is if she's thrown on the floor, gyrates, shakes, starts convulsing and, you know, shouting out in tongues. Now, she very quietly received. That's why, that's why I think people don't, People sometimes don't receive because they have an expectation. Is that what's going to happen to me? Because that's what happened to Ken. He fell on the floor and was shaking. And well, maybe Ken needed a good shaking. <laughs> that's good preaching. I don't care who you are. So he says, look, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan. So whenever you catch yourself like, you're, you see it in the word and you're saying, that's, I'm, God, I believe that, I receive that into my life. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you that word is mine. Look, here it comes. Now you, well, yeah, the enemy's going to start saying, yeah, but you need to, you know, well, you don't go to church enough. People don't go to heal, get healed because they go to church enough. We don't give enough. People don't get healed because they give enough. Now, if God tells them to do something and they don't do it, that's a different situation. But I'm saying that you do not earn what God has provided for you. We do not have to convince God to do things he already said he would do. Number three. <laughs> These don't get better, by the way, so... Uh, Basic training for a miracle. Receiving depends on expectation. Look at Mark chapter 2, verse 5. I've got it up there on the screen. We'll have to move along here, but Mark 2, 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. So, do you think they were like, did all this effort, and were like, we don't know if anything's going to happen? Or do you think Jesus saw something in them that said they got faith for this guy to get they they did all this work to get him in here he's going to get up off that bed see if you contrast that with the idea out of luke 5 17 and uh you know which we looked at there a little while ago that it is, was a certain day jesus is teaching there are Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. No, nobody's healed, but this paralytic is healed. Why? Because Jesus saw their faith. Mark 6, 5 tells about when Jesus went to his own hometown, that while he was there, he could do no, this is no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. All the potential. for He was preaching the same gospel in his hometown that he was preaching everywhere else that he went. But only a few people were healed in his hometown. And it tells you why. I mean, we don't have time to look at it, but read the whole account. 
because they said, isn't that just Jesus? Isn't that just the kid that was raised down the street? Isn't he the carpenter's son? I mean, come on. So they let their own familiarity to who Jesus was rob them all. I mean, look, in that town, you, you have to believe during this time, there were a lot more sick people than just a few people who got healed. The, the few that got healed, that there was all kinds, that there were lame people there and people dying in the town. But why isn't anything happening? Because they're like, yeah, it's just this guy. He grew up here. Uh, you know, he thinks he's somebody. He thinks he's better than the rest of us. And uh, who does he think he is? And so they don't listen to his word. My point with this is, and why this is such a basic training for miracles, is, is that your receiving depends on your expectation. Okay? And this is part of what goes with this whole idea of, of miraculous reclamation, which we'll get into next week. That there are things that have been taken out of your life that you no longer expect to receive back. And, and I want to tell you, you're not, and because you're not putting faith into that God can bring that back miraculously. And if I tell you that I can show you verses, and I'll show them to you next week, not just about Job, but where that it actually teaches in the scripture that God will bring double back of what was stolen from you. Huh? I, I'll show it to you next week. But see, you say, well, why isn't that happening in my life if that's what God wants? Because you don't expect it to happen. You're not even looking for it to happen. You don't go to the mailbox expecting anything except bills. You don't look in your checking account expecting increase except for what comes in, your paycheck or Social Security or whatever, or your alimony or I don't know what all, how that all works, all right? But you're not expecting anything more. You, don't expect, you expect things to sell for what they're worth. See, and my point with that is, is that, look, in, God, in miraculous reclamation, there are things that, look, you've let go of that you need to set that out there. Not to punish. We're not, look, the, not to punish people because they did stuff. That's not things, that's not the way of the Christian. But that you're claiming, that money was stolen from me. And I am reclaiming that in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And not because pastor said we could do it. But because you said it in your, I can't wait, but I don't have time. All right. So are you expecting anything to happen? When you get prayed for, do you expect to get healed? Do you expect to walk away and the miraculous power of God is manifested in your body? When you stand at the front, are you looking to see or are you, are you like there like, Lord, this is it, man, this is it. I just keep thinking about this one girl that came to me one time and she said, I've been told I got cancer. You can lay hands on me, but I'm just telling you already, I know it's mine. So whether you lay hands on me or not, I already got it. And she got it. That is, look, that was expectation. I said, well, what do you do when people tell you you don't got it? She says, I don't care what they said. This is what God said. So contrast the two. You got guys sitting there going, oh, yeah, well, you know, I don't know if that teaching exactly lines up with my theology. And then you got these four guys who are like, 
Hey, we heard the healer's in town. Let's get our sick buddy who can't walk down there and get him healed. And they're like, you can't come in. There's no room in there because what's in the room? Look, let me just tell you, this is so, this is, wow. This is so powerful. It don't matter how many doubters are around you. It just matters what you continue to believe while you stand there. I mean, Jesus is in a room full of doubt. Can you imagine that? I mean, nobody in there. They're just like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You think you're somebody? You think you got the, oh, sure, yeah. Whoa. Nobody's getting anything. They just want to, you know, debate about what he said. But here's the thing with Jesus. No matter what was going on in the room, he stayed in faith. And these guys were in faith. They fought through the doubt and brought their friend. They expected him. They didn't expect him to go in there. I mean, I, and like I said, you could, we could go through this all morning, but you look at the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't come to Jesus and say, well, I hope I get healed whenever I can get to him. She said in herself, if I touch his garment, I'll be whole, period. It'll be over with. Hallelujah. That's faith. That's a declaration of faith. All right. Last thing about healing and about the miraculous. The same power that saves you is the same power that heals you. Luke 5, 22 through 25. This is out of the New Century Translation. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk? But I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, stand up, take your mat, and go home. And at once, the man stood up before them, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. The same power that Jesus talked about for saving was the same power that was present for healing. So let me put it in this context. The same power that saved you. Do you believe you're saved, born again? Do you believe you're saved and you're born again? is the same power that is in you to heal you. And I'm going to give you a verse for this. It's up on the screen, but you can, I, I encourage you to learn this verse. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Mortal means dying. See, when you and I make declarations, especially you that are a little, you know, in my age group or older, when we start saying stuff, well, you know, you just grow old, what are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You declare Matthew 8 or Romans 8, 11. My body's being made alive. Hallelujah. Well, you know, you're going to deal with arthritis. When my body is made alive, I declare over my body Matthew 8, 11. Well, you know, you have a history of... I declare Matthew 8, 11. I'm not living in ignorance. I take care of myself and, you know, and do stuff to prevent things. But still, Matthew 8, 11 is the key for the believer. Because the same power that saved me is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And it's the same power that is in you that will make alive your mortal body. When you take pills, if you have to take pills, you know, like, and, and nothing wrong with taking pills or medications or getting surgery. There is absolutely zero wrong with that in God's sight. But here's the thing. When you do it, you make sure the foundation of it is 
that my God, according to Romans 8, 11, is making alive my mortal body. My, di my body's trying to die. You do know that, right? Your body is trying its best to get to death. Because the dust, it's a prophetic. From the dust you came, the dust you will return. But don't be in a hurry to get to the dust. Okay? So we fight it because we're standing on Romans 8.11. That, look, my body's being made alive. So you want to talk about the basic training for miracles, the things that are the key foundational things that we have to... Number one is, is that it is the Word. The Word is where the miracles come from. When we receive that Word, two, is, is that um, God moves in our expectations. What was two in your notes? Help me. Grace is, yes, grace is the, the, the root of all miracles. It's a God's choice for your life. And then this last one, the same power that saved you is the same power that heals you. Stand up with me if you would. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to like not make this available because I already brought it up that uh, I'll ask our prayer team to come. If there's something that while I was talking about supernatural reclamation that came up don't wait a week. you don't have to wait a week to get somebody to stand in agreement with you for reclamation for that restoration to happen you can get somebody in agreement with you right now and uh so don't walk away from that if there's something that's really standing out to you um you know the the book of joel tells about god says i'll restore to you everything the canker worm has stolen all the things that have been destroyed in your life i'll tell i'll restore I believe that's time as well, that God supernaturally can restore time to our lives. Relationships that have been robbed. Just like this woman and what I shared with you earlier and what happened in her family. Look, there is supernatural restoration that can happen. So don't walk out of here not allowing us to pray. And if you need healing in your body, it is in this kind of atmosphere when you have heard.